0: I'm going to podcast it.
1: Oh, okay. That was a thinker. But then I immediately knew what you were talking about.
0: Yeah. Sometimes you just got to keep it simple. Keep it basic. Also weird that Wreck-It Ralph does not have as much of a video game presence as you would think for the Disney movie that is about video games. A video
1: game? Are there any video games about it?
0: Well, they made the, like, they had it as a browser and then a literal, like, collectible arcade game fix it felix
1: oh. um
0: which you know it it's weirdly more similar for me to burger time than it was donkey kong which is what it's nominally supposed to be aping yeah um i think there was like a tie-in game because i was just like the tail end of like the oh you make a movie you have a tie-in you got a game, game. that's yeah. just how it works before it just is like, no, now we'll just do a freemium iPhone game. Or, like, do a tie-in with our other freemium iPhone games.
1: Are you saying the word freemium?
0: Yes. So, the that's, like... Well, you know, like, in Animal Crossing's iPhone game, you know how you can, like, buy things.
1: Yeah, so it's free-to-play with... Th-
0: things you can buy. Yeah. That are... At, where it kind of pushes you to buying things.
1: I'm trying to catch... Because, like, when I listen to these back... I'm like, we use a lot of terms that I think a lot of our viewers don't know, and we need to right. stop and, like, explain a lot more, um, especially this episode, we'll probably be throwing around a lot of terms that we'll need to add footnotes to, so that people actually know what we're talking about today.
0: Right. Speaking of which, welcome to the Disney Desk, everyone. <laughs> I'm Carter.
1: And I'm Sydney.
0: Briefly there, we were just pretending we were having a regular conversation.
1: Yeah, you know.
0: Um, Yes, so we are here once again this week doing another sort of like fun off-the-wall topic. Um, How do we begin to describe what we're doing this week?
1: This week we're going to talk about video games, specifically Disney video games. Um, This topic was recommended to me by one of our very diligent listeners, Dan, my friend Dan from Minnesota. Um, and, you know, he's into video games, um, specifically, like, GameCube video games. But anyway, he suggested, there's a lot of Disney video games. Like, I would like to hear you talk about those. And we have kind of lightly gotten into video gaming, like, or, or certain video game topics. Um, mm-hmm. Once on our Patreon Very recently, we did a video game topic. And then when we reviewed the Mario movie, we kind of lightly talked about video gaming again. But... Bonafides, yes. There's actually a plethora to talk about in terms of Disney's video games that they have released over the years. Um, Some more minor, some more... Cheap than others, some very grand and very large, and so we hope to kind of cover all of that today and and see the journey that Disney has gone on with video gaming.
0: Yeah, this was a topic you have kind of been hinting at for a while, because you've been talking about buying um, Disney Dream Valley, which was kind of the catalyst for, a part of the catalyst for this idea, and right. like... Real friend moment here. Sydney, if you want to buy a video game, you don't need to frame it as, like, a job expense. You can just buy it. Like, I wasn't going to judge you for getting the Disney Homemaker game.
1: Like, I, it's sort of, like, I would never, like, I would never have really bought this game. As a, as a diligent Animal Crossing, like, Sims player, someone who is already, like, married to other life sim games... I would not have been interested in buying this. Like, I sort of needed the motivation behind, like, well, if it's for research, like, then that'll, like, because otherwise I would just be like, yeah, one day I'll get it, and then I'll never get it.
0: Yeah, this topic interested me as well, because as, like, we've talked about how, like, I kind of got detached from Disney for a while there during my cool teen years. Yeah. And I realized, much like how the Disney Channel kind of kept me in the loop. Video games also weirdly kept me in the loop. In a way, we will talk about more as we go on.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: But before we dive headfirst into the world of pixels, it is time for another Internet Minute.
1: All
0: right, Sydney, what are you bringing to the table today?
1: Okay, um, another meme, as I do. But I figured this might be a good... They don't call you the
0: meme queen of the Delaware for nothing.
1: They don't call me the meme queen of the Delaware for nothing. I earned that title. And here's why. So, um, there was like... I mean, if anyone... If any of you diligently use Twitter, you know that anymore it's just like... There is like a meme of the day. Like, it's the, the popular theme that goes around lasts for like a week or two and then like everybody moves on to like some other topic that everyone like weighs in on like re- like right now on twitter the thing is like what's the funniest tiktok you've ever seen and then like everyone's just like adding on like their favorite tiktok you know what i'm talking about right. how like they deserve yes, like no
0: that has been the trend it started with that damn madagascar penguin being like you oddest yeah, <laughs> um, And then it just continues on where it's like, yeah, there'll be a week where everyone just shares their opinion on one on topic. One,
1: someone asks a question and, and then, everyone on Twitter weighs in. This was from well, maybe a, like a couple weeks ago where the question of the day was, show me characters the writers forced into a heterosexual relationship. This one made its rounds. And happy Pride, everybody. Happy Pride, everybody. And... Um, <laughs> this someone quote tweeted it with a picture of Kelsey and Ryan from High School Musical. Let's oh no. chat. <laughs> so let's talk. Here the time has come for us to deal with this. You know what's so interesting? Like in all of Disney Channel Month and the whole two hours we spent discussing high school musical, we didn't cover any of the any sort of themes, like, romantic themes that were outside of Troy and Gabriella, But, like, I actually think that's kind of a positive thing because, you know, the way these characters are written, like, I always refer back to the character Bobby Hill from King of the Hill of, like, writing, like, a sort of feminine male character and giving no explanation for that, just being like, well, that's who he is. Right and like there can be jokes around that, like <laughs> but not jokes at it. But not jokes at him. Yeah, not not jokes like really at his expense. But jokes about him being observed that way, and how other people feel about that, and never right. ever feeling the need to like label anybody in as anything. Um, that's that's I think so much more valuable, like, well, okay, I'm straight, like, I can't speak to what is valuable representation for anyone in the LGBTQ community. I don't attempt to be like, that's what it should be. But I actually find that it's so much more valuable to, like, to be like, we don't know what anybody is. And that's actually none of your fucking business. (laughs) And, like, here's this person, just accept them as is.
0: I feel like we've talked around this topic before, particularly with um, the, the stinky wizard, as I call her now, um, because that's a joke about JK. And that time oh. she suggested that wizards poop themselves and magically make it go away. Um, which I'm oh. sorry is a thing that's canon in that universe now for some reason. Oh. Yeah, it, I, like, and again, we're talking around it and I'm, you know, I, I think we both identify, well, I identify as me and that's all that, you know.
1: Exactly, um, yeah. <laughs>
0: but yeah, like, I, I feel like, you know, like, I, one of the hesitancies I've had about tackling Pride Month is, like, I don't think either of us are as versed enough in, like, real life experience to
1: right. know,
0: accurately depict or discuss certain topics but yeah, and I think a lot of it's colored by the fact that we've lived in this era where Disney has somehow managed to get this marketing spin like five to six times around. There's a gay character in this. It, there's a gay character. Yeah. There's a lesbian couple. Someone's like in Finding Dory, when it's literally just a couple pushing a carriage, or that LeFou touches a man's hand and looks.
1: Oh, oh like, about it. You know, it. <laughs> just the just
0: the cheapest, like most buzz, like yeah, a week on Buzzfeed sort right. of. Examples of representation where it's like, yeah, there used to be, like, you know, you could just have a character like Ryan or Bobby, and that just, like, you know, like, there, there was, there was, like, value there in depicting alternative approaches to gender identity. Right. Um, like honestly, I I don't want this to just become a king of the hill discussion because like we'll have to do a king of the hill month or a king of the hill yes. week or something yeah. where we just go all in. Or the king change of the hill. our name to but the like, King of the Hill
1: Desk and just
0: Yes. um or the Propaniacs. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's, pr- there's probably a King of the Hill podcast called the Propaniacs, but like yeah, Bobby's oh one my of my God. favorite characters because Me like too. He is, yeah, he's very effeminate, and the best example of what you're describing is, like, the episode where he becomes a plus-size model, like, Hank's problem is not the modeling, like, he doesn't like the modeling, but his problem is not that his son is a model. His problem is he, like, he knows what teens are like in this town, and he knows that it's going to cause problems for him, and he just, he's like, Bobby doesn't understand that. no. And I also like the fact that he's simultaneously very effeminate, but also all of his hobby, a lot of his hobbies are also very masculine. Yeah. Like, he's a really good shooter. Like, he's great at shooting and hunting. Yeah. He's, he discovers he's, like, a savant for, like, identifying and cooking different types of meat. Like he's oh, basically yeah.
1: like
0: he's Like, he's basically more of a man's man than Cotton ever will be. Right. And I think that's, like, a really interesting, like, dichotomy as a character. But, like, yeah, I don't know. And I go back and forth on this, because it's kind of what we were discussing with J.K., where it's, like, well, why can't we just let things be? And it's like, well, unfortunately, the other side won't let us have that. Mm-hmm. Like, they are on the offensive, and if we don't go on the offensive, then we lose just because they take over the space. Which is why, if Twitter's not having these meme discussions, they're having, you know, it's the owner of Twitter, you know, retweeting anti-Semitic memes, or, um, well, now it's just piracy also, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. we're unfortunately, like, I would love to be back in, like, that sort of Ryan era where it's like, yes, you can make your own interpretations on what this character is. I kind of like that with Into the spider Verse where people are talking about the idea of, like, okay, well, they don't explicitly say Gwen is trans, but there are a lot of, like, allusions in her story and mm-hmm. her color palette that you can make a reasonable guess that that could be a, like, a way to read the text. Right. But, unfortunately, the other side will not let us have that, like, sort of, Love is love energy right now.
1: Yeah. Anyway, Um, what's your internet minute?
0: My internet minute is a complete curveball because I just decided I was going to... I said this as a joke because, like, a couple days ago, and then I realized I didn't actually pick another one, so I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to have to do this. This kind of ties into what we were discussing about the live-action remix uh, on our Patreon, actually. Um, I talked about the idea that, like... I, I get less stressed out about things like this, like about remakes or rebooting certain franchises, because in our world of constant IP and like constantly reimagining old stories, like there will be a hundred different versions of Cinderella, Leaping Beauty and Snow White. No one version is going to sully or ruin the animated version. Snow White and the Huntsman didn't make Disney Snow White suddenly worse by association. Like we'll be fine. There'll mm-hmm. be another version of it in 10 years and we'll all move on. And the best example of that is that this week, Andrew Lloyd Webber's Bad Cinderella, formerly known just as Andrew Lloyd Webber's Cinderella, closed its doors and had its final production on Broadway uh, on June 4th, uh, this June. Um, So how much do you know about this show?
1: Um, The title, that is it.
0: It is a weird one. And I will say, I'm probably going to say some slightly mean things about Andrew Lloyd Webber as I quickly go through all of this, but he did not write all of this. This was not like a, he wrote the book and the lyrics and the music. He just wrote the music.
1: There's a book? Like,
0: book as in like the script.
1: Oh, okay. This isn't like an yeah, adaptation yeah, on Broadway, of something.
0: Uh, this is an example of what we mean. We need to explain things to the audience. Yeah. Yeah, so on, like in musicals, the script parts, the parts that aren't sung, are referred to as the book. So if you see a Tony for Best book of a musical, that means like the talking parts, didn't know basically. Okay. Um, yes. So Andrew Lloyd Webber just wrote the music as in like the compositions, mm-hmm. uh, David Zippel, who you might know as the, one of the musicians on Hercules wrote the lyrics, um, oh, cool. some sloppy work by him, unfortunately. Oh. And, um, Emerald Fennell, uh, wrote the book, uh, famously, she, uh, wrote the script for Promising Young Woman. And now that the bloom is off her rose a little bit, can I just come back and say, I think Promising Young Woman is really bad. Sorry
1: guys. Yeah, we, we know. We don't need to get to that. <laughs> yeah. But anyway,
0: like this thing has kind of been a beautiful disaster for a while. One, it was so obvious that they picked Cinderella and called it Andrew Lloyd Webber Cinderella because he wanted to have his version of Roger and Hammerstein Cinderella. He's like, well, this is my take and it shall become the superior take. Um, it like, which is basically stupid. Like
1: to... because Rogers and Hammerstein's Cinderella isn't even a take. It's just, it's just the a nice story, of the story with some right? beautiful, unique songs. <laughs>
0: Yes, exactly. That's it. Whereas this version, yeah, where this version goes, I got it. A feminist retelling of got Cinderella. It. It's like, wow, no one's ever thought about that before. And also, Andrew Lloyd Webber, very old, rich, white guy, famous yeah, for we being love a boarded conservative, that. who is literally in the House of fucking Lords. Like, he can show up and vote on things as a lord. You're, yeah, not your, uh, not your place, buddy. Anyway, why is so, it called
1: Bad Cinderella? Is that a review, Um, or is that...
0: (laughs) Yes, well, see, that, like, because originally it was just called Andrew Lloyd Webber Cinderella, and it did okay on the West End. It got, like, decent reviews, but it really did feel like, look, this is the first show out of the pandemic. We should probably, like, back this thing up because, like, you know, this art form could go away. Uh, They rebranded it when it came to Broadway um, because the titles are, like, the iconic song is Bad Cinderella, where she calls herself Bad Cinderella. Um, there's actually a lot of funny lyricism with that. So the original line is, Bad Cinderella, Cinderella is the catty name that they call me. But the problem with that is, it's unlike in, like, the traditional fairy tale, it's never suggested Cinderella isn't actually her name. Like, the idea in the fairy tale is, her name is, like, Ella or something. Ella, and she sits by the fire. Yes, because she cleans the cinders. So yeah. Her- like, Caddy's sisters call her Cinderella. Yeah. But that's never... They just refer... Like, everyone, even her friends call her Cinderella in this. So it's like, oh, that's just your name. Yeah. So they had to change the lyric when they redid it to Bad Cinderella, Bad Cinderella is the caddy name that they call me. And it's like, that's a little... It's a little cluttered. But it's an interesting, like, behind the scenes of, like, how you think of art and, like, how you can change lyricism. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And, yes, when they decided to call it Bad Cinderella, there were a lot of people like, God, this is really a... You're really just putting the sort of Damocles over your head here, guys. You're asking, like again, right. why did you show up to school in your anime cosplay? Yeah. This is a high school in the Midwest. Right. <laughs> what did you think was going to happen? <laughs> um and it just created a funny moment when they announced the Broadway run where the actress they got to play Cinderella goes, um uh Lindy Giano goes, I'm not your Cinderella. I'm your bad Cinderella. And that has become one of my favorite out-of-context lines to say. But anyway, so, like, <laughs> it got middling reviews on the West End, didn't get a lot of award nominations. Andrew Leg Weber apparently, scre- like, screamed at the cast over the phone in the West End version because he saw a bad review from an American critic. He was, like, he was in his vacation home at the time, and he's like, boop, 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 boop. Hey, uh, can you put, like, the whole cast near the phone and hit speaker and apparently just rip them a new one? To the point where, like, a lot of them decided not to renew their contracts. They abruptly announced that it's getting closed on the West End. Andrew Lloyd Webber doesn't even show up to the closing. He just has someone read a note he wrote where he refers to the show as, quote, a costly mistake. Oh, Um, my God. And you see the cast literally react viscerally to that. Like, what the fuck? Um, And, like, you can can give him the benefit of the doubt and say, like, maybe he just meant because, like, they kept experimenting with ways to keep the show running during the pandemic, like, with, like... While making less money, but still, dick thing to say. It, yeah, they rush it. To, they rush it to Broadway without like actually fixing any of the problems. The problems just get bigger. It somehow gets more homoerotic in oh a way God. that's like this doesn't feel intentional enough to work. Yeah, um, and then it get it bomb. Critics tear it apart. It gets no Tony nominations, and it's abruptly closing. And it will end Andrew Lloyd Webber's 44-year run of having a show on Broadway, primarily carried by Phantom of the Opera, um, which closed just before. There was an idea that this was going to be, like, a holdover show. This was going to stay on Broadway till they brought Phantom back. And it, Basically, it's an open secret that Phantom is coming back. They just want to do a, like, cheaper version of it to mm-hmm. save money. Like, a smaller orchestra, like, clean it up a little bit, different theater. Um, so that run has ended. And it is kind of a big moment for Broadway history. But at the same time, like, for all the mean things I just said about Andrew Lydweber, he is dealing with the aftermath of his son passing away from cancer. So I have to imagine that a lot of this is just kind of a distant problem for him. Right. But I guess, like, the point I wanted to bring up with all of this is, like, well, one, because I just think it's a fascinating thing to talk about. Um, They also leaned into piracy. They just, like, screened the opening number of the second act. Uh, they showed, like, they literally recorded their own bootlegs and put them on Twitter. Oh. Like, it was just kind of a fascinating disaster. I kind of wish I saw it. And it's just, an, again, an example of, like, most of Disney's, the things Disney makes are not originals. They are copies. And sometimes they're copies of copies. And I feel like, you know, we can be all a little less precious about it sometimes. Like, I love the original Little Mermaid, and I put it on a pedestal as one of, like, an exemplary piece of art. But at the same time, its shine is not ever going to be less. Because there's another version of Little Mermaid out there right now. Um, I also just wanted to say before we move on, uh, don't worry, people. We have seen Into the Spider-Verse. We are going to be covering it next week if you want to get your hype up. Um, I don't know if we'll talk about spoilers, but be prepared. So, like, you know, try to see it. It's very good.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, you pretty much said everything. Yeah, the jury's still out, whether or not... We feel like telling all... We may explode if we tell it all, so...
0: Yeah. It may... It, we might, like, glitch out and turn into, like, weird... Yeah. Polygonal shapes and colors... Exactly. ...as we glitch out.
1: Exactly. So, um, anyway, so... Brace yourselves. Brace yourselves for that. <laughs> okay.
0: And now back to your regular scheduled programming. So, a part of what interested me about this topic is... Much like we were discussing with Disney Channel Month, uh, we were discussing this idea of, like, Disney is reactive in this space. Yeah. They weren't the first ones there. While they got to shape, like, animated film, and maybe amusement parks to a certain extent. I don't know. I guess Disney World wasn't the first amusement park, but it certainly set a certain kind of tone for them.
1: You know, it's so interesting, like, since I'm an Avid, again, we, like... This podcast has gone zero episodes without mentioning Kevin Perger. Um,
0: it's been three weeks in a row. It's starting to <laughs> Like, we seem really thirsty. Am I desperate? A, a little bit. Um,
1: but, like... I mean, I'm not helping. Every time... Because he doesn't just cover Disney things, obviously. He covers <laughs> I mean, amusement parks in general. And they all start with, like, oh, so-and-so visited Disneyland with his family and was inspired to create this, like... Fucking McDonald's, or like, like literally anything that you can imagine starts with someone visiting Disneyland and riding on the carousel, and and then having an epiphany, and then starting a company. What is
0: this but chocolate?
1: Yes, exactly. So, like, I would, yeah, I I would kind of argue that, yeah, in every other space, Disney is trailblazing, and or or has been like sort of the pioneers of that space, or one amongst the pioneers of that space. Yeah, but you're absolutely right. The, like, in the in the gaming space, yeah, they're always like, we have an answer for someone else's invention. They
0: have. They're naturally reactive because yeah. other people pioneered this. You know, they never tried. As best as I can tell, they never really tried to make their own console. They never tried to make their own pure ecosystem for their things. They were coming into other spaces where other established character- like names and ideas were. Right. And it's interesting when you go through kind of the history of Disney video games, you really do see kind of the, um, you really do see like the eras of history that each, you know, game was an answer to or a part Mm -hmm. of. Um, do we just start from like the top, kind of go through kind of like, like, honestly, I can show you what I mean really easily. Like one of the first, like, iconic examples of a Disney video game is the DuckTales video game from the 1980s. Oh. That whole era of, like, that whole era of Disney afternoon stuff got video game spinoffs, and they were all sort of, like, part, they were part Mario, part, um, I would argue a lot of Mega Man. Those ones are the ones that have the most nostalgia because they, keep, they have brought those back Like, they've done Disney afternoon collections, particularly for the DuckTales, um, game. There's actually a really cool reference to, uh, the DuckTales game in the show. Um, one of the themes from the game carries over into the show, um, the moon theme they do. But, yeah, what is your first Disney video game memory? Because, like, I, I've played these. I remember these being, like, weird little arcade setup games in your dentist or something.
1: Right. Um, like, I'm so glad you asked that question because my earliest, earliest memories of video gaming in general, but of a Disney video game, um, this was something I played on a PC and I just have like sort of flashes of it in my brain. It was like a Super Mario style, like side scroller, um, Aladdin yes. game. About And he was essentially, like, jumping up on stuff and collecting coins and things like that.
0: Yeah, when you describe, like, Disney video games, that's where a lot of people's memories go. This is yeah. another thing they've recently remastered for the Nintendo Switch. It was, like, the 16-bit era. Oh. Where it was, like, Jungle Book, Aladdin, uh, Lion King. Um, and I mm. think Hercules eventually got brought in. But, like, there was that era where it was, like, okay, we're going to do adaptations of the movies that are vaguely the plots of the movies. It'll be like, oh, you jump through an iconic location, and then you have, like, a couple images with some text to be like, yeah, oh, no. The, you know, the, the Cable force. Hunters is flooding. Yeah. We have to get out of here. Right. Not so fast, Far. Yeah,
1: exactly. Um,
0: yeah, like, those ones always interest me because, like, as someone who's really, really big into Rayman, you can see the, like, inspirations of Rayman in terms of, like, the really wackadoo color palette and, like, the exploration element. Like, mm-hmm. whereas Mario levels kind of have, like, I don't know, a lot more strict, like, sort of progression. Or sometimes you can go higher, or sometimes you can go underground, but mostly it's a straight line. Mm-hmm. Like, Rayman, you kind of have to explore to figure out how the hell to get out of the level. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if you're too familiar with Rayman as a character.
1: No, Mm-mm, not at all.
0: He, he was that whole era of, like, oh, everyone wants a Mario or Sonic. Every right. studio, like, some executive was like, make me a Mario. And <laughs> they're, like, uh, a crocodile, a cat, um, a vague plum-shaped creature with no limbs. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's kind of one of the points I'm getting at. It's like, again, they're reactive. It's like, yeah. Disney sees that this kind of game is popular, and they're like, okay, can you graft a couple of our movies onto this?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, I was also going to say, this era also, like, all the games are hard as balls. Like, they're Mm -hmm. all impossible, because we're still stuck in that, like, arcade era of, like, well, games have to be hard to get more quarters, and it's like, but they already bought the game. There's no
1: no quarters. That's true, yeah.
0: (laughs) A mindset that it took the gaming sphere decades to grow out of.
1: Right. Um there's just like there are so many different like when I think back to my childhood in Disney gaming, there are so many different like avenues I could take with this conversation. Mm-hmm. The first avenue I want to go to, which we did not cover last month at all with Disney Channel Month, was like the plethora of cool games that were on DisneyChannel.com.
0: <laughs> yes, this Honestly, took up a of lot of a my just oversight on our part,
1: right. Yeah, but I but I suppose there's no bad time to talk about Disney anything on the Disney desk. Um but yeah, I was on disneychannel.com just about every day after school. Um and there were a few games like let let's just talk about like all of our favorite games that were on there. Some some pointless, some really difficult some somewhere in between, but all of them addictive and fun. <laughs> um, yes. There were these, like, Lizzie McG- there was this, like, Lizzie McGuire game where, like, you could dress up like Lizzie and Miranda. Like, I don't know why, <laughs> but, like, you could drag that and was drop.
0: A weird, that was, like, a weird popular thing in, like, the yeah. Flash era of games. Yes. Where it was always, every website... And it's so weird thinking about, like, we were at the very beginning of the internet, and this was, like, yeah. how, like, Nickelodeon, because Nickelodeon had, like, the Amanda Show website with games, too. AmandaPlease.com? Like, so yes. It's <laughs> so weird to think this was, like, their proto-attempt, whereas now it's, like, does Disney Channel even have a fucking web? I don't even know. I don't like, even I couldn't know. Like, I can't even imagine what's on the Disney Channel website right now. But this yeah. is, like, how they were, like, we'll keep kids on our, like, ecosystem by having weird little Flash games that exactly. probably took, like a week worth of work to make.
1: Right. And I but mean,
0: yeah, for, for, I don't know why the dress up ones were so popular, but everyone had a freaking dress up one.
1: Yeah. Um, there was a really fun Life of Zach and Cody one where they were like hiding from Mr. Mosby. Like, I guess that's called a, I guess that would be considered like a side scroller. I don't know. But like, do you know which one I'm talking about when they're, you're kind yes. of like running through the hotel, like picking up stuff and mm. hiding from like adults and yeah. That one was a fun one. That one was challenging. Some of them were were actually very challenging.
0: Yeah, like, yeah, it had like a weird stealth element where you had to yes. like, go into doors, Duck. like like freaking elevator action or something. Yeah,
1: exactly.
0: Um, mine was always the two that like I have actual core memories of are the Kim Possible one where you have to fill out orders because uh, it was very similar to yes. the Krabby Patty one.
1: I forgot about um, that one.
0: Yes. Like, I liked those... For some reason, I was really into those, like, you have to make an order ones. Mm-hmm. Or... Oh, God, this is so embarrassing. It's also funny, because I spilled, like, $15 worth of Taco Bell the other day. But Taco Bell had a video game, too. Did they? Where... Yeah, it was, like, burger time. But instead of stacking a burger by walking across platforms, you make tacos. Um, oh. <laughs> but, yes. Like, I think that because that was one of the earliest video games I have, I feel like that's why I particularly appealed with, like, the restaurant management game of, like, <laughs> you have to quickly fill out these orders and get the order right or you lose points. Oh, wow. Um, that and the sandwich stacker, because Ooh, yeah. I was a big a uh, Leo and Stitch the Animated Series guy. And for some reason, it very much tickled me. Like, you know, Experiment 627, or experiment six to five or seven whatever the red yeah his like the idea is like oh they're the deadliest like they're you can't yeah. mess with them and then this other one comes out and it's like well there's nothing really wrong with him he's just kind of a yeah lazy he's fuck just up. a loaf like, yeah right he just likes eating like he's not right. dangerous
1: no he's just like, kind of goofy yeah
0: yeah like the space community's pissed off because it's like well we need something like right. please don't make a death machine but also like you know we're giving we're giving you this grant for a reason
1: Right. That game, I think universally everybody loves the Sandwich Stacker game. It was such a simple idea. It was kind of challenging, but addictive. Like, it was so hard to, like, walk away from that one because it's just one of those games where you're like, I can do better than that. I can do better than that. Like, right. and try again. It really was again. like
0: the proto... Yeah, it was like the proto-iPhone game where it's, like, simple premise, right. weirdly, like, weird... Like spike and challenge, yeah. yeah. Like some kind of loop where it's like, well, I'm not. Nothing's really changing, but I feel motivated to try to outdo myself.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Like,
0: <laughs> yeah. Like that's the energy that like early iPhone games had before they leaned into the microtransaction element. Like mm. Angry Bird, Doodle Jump. Like it's all like right. it all comes from the same space of like.
1: Repetitive. All right, how do we
0: take, yeah. Repetitive, satisfying, score based fun.
1: Exactly. Yeah
0: yeah for me and like this is kind of leaning into our childhood like because like i i inherited like the aladdin the jungle books like those games were like before our time but like close enough that we could like kind of grow into them Mm -hmm. like now that we're getting into like the 2000s this is really my like hardest time to shine because this is where we get to kingdom hearts which was going to be my other intro and i'm like you will not get this
1: oh my goodness you know, it's
0: so interesting because I have been, like, researching Kingdom Hearts for this episode. And it really is, like, Kingdom Hearts as an idea could only exist in the 2000s. When the Disney brand is a little tarnished, like, the renaissance is over, people are mad at Disney again. And, right. like, they're way less precious about the brand, as it were. Because, are, how familiar with Kingdom Hearts? Well, how much do I need to explain?
1: Well, okay, hold on, wait. Before we, like... Before we dive way too deep into Kingdom Hearts, can I offer something else that was prevalent in my childhood?
0: Oh, yes. Because that's going to
1: be... Because, like, the Kingdom Hearts thing needs its own, like, punctuation. I have to acknowledge Disney's extreme skate adventure. Yes. Yes. So, like, this is a unique <sighs> console game. Um... But again, like, when you, when we say, like, Disney was reactive, I mean, this was peak Tony Hawk era. Yes.
0: This is, <laughs> Where, the, this yeah. is like, the ultimate example of that.
1: Yeah, this is the ultimate example of, like, Tony Hawk is, is the Beatles all wrapped into one in the early 2000s. And, like, um, he had a video game that was very popular at the time. And Disney had an answer for that game, which was throw a bunch of, which actually, you know, if, if I, don't, I don't know if you've seen footage of this game or have even played it, but it's kind of cool. I it,
0: but I saw a lot of footage.
1: It's cool. It is
0: so weird how cool skateboarding is yeah. for how kind of like it, irrelevant it is to the mainstream discourse.
1: It has absolutely nothing to do with Disney anything. There are no characters that do anything like it in any Disney movie, and yet like, oh, you want to skateboard with Simba? You can. What about Buzz Lightyear? And it's because then they did a
0: movie with, like, X Games stuff, and it just didn't connect at all.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, this game is actually one of my favorite memories of playing games with my dad. This was one that we had, like, that I used mm. to play a lot with him. and um, And I just remember, like, they, like, had a lot of cool, like, sort of ska punk like music in it and and but it was just like there were these really cool landscapes like you could skateboard around andy's room or like pizza planet and, or just like all of these like cool landscapes and like these cool tricks it was it was a cool game like i have to give them credit there, there's full gameplay of this on youtube um i highly recommend just like perusing it but uh this is probably one of my fondest memories of of um disney video games from my childhood
0: yeah it is so funny there's so many of those that are like almost reskins of other games exactly well there's like mickey's tetris challenge that was a big one for me where they weirdly have a plot where it's like you have to like go stop like the beagle boys and pete but it's done through the art of tetris
1: so weird or like (laughs)
0: There's like all of these like Disney sports games where it's like oh you wanted yeah. in on the Mario sports uh, space you yeah. wanted in on like the Mario Party space mm-hmm. and it's so interesting being like I remember these but I wouldn't be caught dead playing them because why would I be caught dead playing them when right. I could just do the Mario ones and Mario's cool now exactly so cool exactly one of the random one of the random games that's very um, core in my memories in terms of random ones is Tigger's Honey Hunt.
1: Oh, this one Um, I don't
0: know. Yeah, it was like a a game where you play as Tigger and you do like jumps and ventures. It's like a platforming game, but it also had like little mini games in it. Mm. Um, I don't know why that ended up... And that's what I mean. Like any other context, even though I loved Winnie the Pooh, I would never admit it. And I'd never be caught dead buying like nine out of 10 Disney products. Right. But for some reason I'm like, Tigger, he's cool. He's colorful. He jumps around. He goes, hoo, 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 hoo. Yeah. Um, Like, this is a justified purchase for me, even as I'm reaching, like, fourth grade.
1: Right. Okay.
0: And I've grown out of this. Okay. And, yeah, there's also, like, well, before we get to, like, our big ones, I also Mm -hmm. want to talk about, like, we were talking about this. There's all of these, like, semi-movie tie-in ones. Oh, yeah. And that was also kind of our generation. Like, Right. Like, the early 2000s were, like, a tidal wave of, like, tidal wave of, like, tie-in games. Yeah. Where it was always, like, you know, if you make a movie, there has to be a video game tie-in. Even if it doesn't necessarily make sense. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, for example, the ones I always go back to are, there's, like, a Monsters, Inc. one that I remember very, very fondly. Where, and, like, a lot of these, it doesn't necessarily follow the plot of the movie,
1: but it's all. like yeah.
0: vaguely relevant enough where you're like, you can close your eyes and be like, yeah, this could be happening while the movie's happening, right? Um, right. Or like the Lilo and Stitch experiment six two six one, where you're playing as Stitch and going on like uh, a little adventure. Even hmm. Princess and the Frog had a game, but I never played that one because I was like, when I'd grown out of this, yeah, it was on the Wii.
1: What was it about?
0: I don't know. It was like a platformer, I assume. Oh. Like it doesn't even have a wiki it's not even given the dignity of a wikipedia page oh god but like yeah like it's again in terms of like eras it's like so interesting that there was an era where there was always a tie-in game like yeah and like and for like and it makes sense because it's like yeah kids don't really if the game isn't great if it's not a masterpiece it's not going to destroy like it's not going to destroy a kid they just want to play in a world they like
1: right exactly yeah
0: which is kind of a part of the appeal of Kingdom Hearts.
1: Exactly. Where do I even
0: start? All right. All right.
1: Okay. So, so, like, what so level where were of we? Kingdom
0: Hearts do you understand?
1: So, I vividly remember all of the commercials for Kingdom Hearts. Um, yes. It's never a game that I ever played. Um, from what I gather, it's sort of like a Zelda adjacent, like, and I and not to say that it like is similar to Zelda, but I'm comparing it to Zelda, and, like, that's the closest, like, oh, mystical fantasy. I just remember always feeling, like, a cognitive dissonance, like, by seeing this sort of, like, anime-style characters, like, talking to Goofy. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like, I'm like, what's the tone here? (laughs) Like.
0: Yeah, well... I feel like if you ask the people who created it, they would have very different answers about what the,
1: uh, what the tone
0: is supposed to be. But yeah, Kingdom Hearts is like the perfect example of Disney trying to figure out how to rejuvenate the brand a little bit, where they're a little less, um, precious about it. Have you ever heard of a series called Final Fantasy? Yes. Because that is the Japanese inspiration. So Square Enix is the company that makes Final Fantasy, and they approached Disney about doing a... Like, they approached um, Disney about doing a game. And the idea was it was going to be a sort of fusion of Final Fantasy with Disney. There was going to be Final Fantasy characters, and there was going to be Disney characters. And those two worlds were going to be connected by one main character. Um... Where do even begin? But yeah, so the idea is, like, you play as a little anime boy named Sora, and he <laughs> wants to... He's an adventurer. He's a dreamer. He has clown shoes that kind of look like Mickey's. Um, oh. Kenny Mac is very bothered by the clown shoes.
1: He, I would the, be, too, probably.
0: And he gets sucked up into this adventure where, basically, he gets introduced to these Disney characters who explain, like, once upon a time, all these different Disney worlds were one big connected world but some kind of terrible event centered around Kingdom Hearts caused them to all break up and spread out into space. Um, The first game is primarily about you got separated from your friend Riku, and uh, Mickey Mouse, who's like the king of Mickey Mouse Kingdom, is missing. So Donald, Goofy, Sora all team up to go find their respective friends. Um,
1: Okay, so is this not Zelda?
0: I mean, it's a little bit, but it's more Final fantasy But I guess both Final Fantasy and Zelda pull from the same kind of, like, mythical Western Japanese fantasy fusion sort of energy. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, this game was an event. Bennett was talking about this, my brother, incessantly. We got the, like, guidebook that you can get that gives you, like, secrets and stuff as we bought it. Um, We played it nonstop. And, yeah, the idea is you just jump from Disney World to Disney World, and you play... And it's interesting when and if they choose to follow the plots of the games. So, for example, one of the earliest worlds you go to is Tarzan World. And that largely follows the plot of the movie. The idea is Tarzan... Like, the status quo of the movie is there, where Tarzan has met Jane, they're interacting, Clayton is on a warpath, and then you end up having to fight Clayton. Um, Mm. Whereas... Um, whereas the Nightmare Before Christmas world, for example, has basically nothing to do with the plot of the movie. You're just there and Oogie Boogie's being vaguely bad. Copy. Um, Okay. It's such a complicated series to explain because there's so many different angles, but I guess like talking about it, one, it's like, I really love these games. Right. Even at their worst, I really, really like them. What console did you play these on? Um, the originals were on PlayStation 2, 1 and 2.
1: Okay.
0: Um, and then... There was, I believe, a Kingdom Hearts 2 came out in 2005, and then Kingdom Hearts 3 came out in 2019, Um, which there's a lot of different reasons for that, partially because everyone was spread too thin, partially because Square Enix has a lot of questionable approaches to business, Um, and a number of other things. They ended up making, like, 7,000 spinoffs that made the lore completely incomprehensible to an outsider. Because, like, for all the heat the first couple games get they're not that complicated to understand. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's pretty basic emotional stuff. Like the idea is like, okay, uh, there's this kingdom hearts. That's like the essence of everyone's souls. It's light and dark combined. Um, people who have Keyblades, which are big key swords, which you probably have seen, have mm-hmm. the ability to open those and also connect all the different worlds together. Like that's mm-hmm. the, that's like the energy that binds everybody. And all of these different worlds are Disney worlds with different themes and ideas. um, Yeah, basically that. Like, I guess, like, trying to explain why Kingdom Hearts would appeal to someone is, one, again, it, like, it is playing in those worlds. Like, they do a really good job of fleshing out every Disney world and making it feel like, oh, I'm actually exploring this place. I'm not just going through the movie scenes. Like, as I'm running around, there are different avenues and corners, like, And one of the best examples of that is both the music taking different themes and, like, musical motifs from the movies and, like, creating, like, fight themes and, like, exploring themes and, like, suspense themes, Um, getting a lot of the original voice actors back or, like, people who are close to that. Mm Mm-hmm. Finding a shared continuity between all the worlds. Because, like, one of the big things in, like, the first two games is there's, like, a, sh- com- like, a cabal. Like, it's basically that Mickey Mouse Clubhouse episode where, like, the villains take over. Where it's, like, oh, they're all in cahoots and they want stuff. Right. Um, like, they're kidnapping princesses because if they can get, like, seven pure hearts, they can open kingdom hearts and they can use its power. So right. you're, like, okay, cool. That's a cool thing way to connect all of this. Yeah. Um, you know, you get to fight alongside Disney characters and you get to see, like, what their movesets would be. So Tarzan has his spear and can do all of these, like, crazy athletic moves to, like, jump across the battlefield and get quick hits. Mm -hmm. Um, Jack Skellington has magical abilities, like, he can call down different spells. Mm. Um, Ariel has, like, all these healing abilities. Like, it's fun to think about, like, okay, how do these characters work in, like, gameplay? Right. Even something as little as, like, the main villains you fight are called heartless. The idea is it's like, oh, if someone's heart gets separated from them, they become a heartless. They're just like little goopy imp characters who are like all black with big yellow eyes. And like each world has different versions of them, like variants that make sense in the context of the world, like especially the boss fights. So for example, like, I'm trying to think of two good examples. Like, in the Alice in Wonderland world, the main boss is this, like, court jester who's, like, juggling all these colorful ribbons Mm. and has, like, stilty papercraft legs. Right. Um, The boss in Peter Pan world's a giant pirate ship. Like, they're pirate ship enemies who just shoot cannons at you. Um, In Aladdin world, like, the main boss is this, like, centipede thing where it's, like, all these different vases with, like, spindly legs. Yeah, like, the designs are really cool. And that carries it. When the plot is stupid or dense or, for some reason, there are five different versions of a guy named Ansem who are all different people but also the same people, question mark? Yes, it gets very much into, like, anime, like, gook as the series goes on in terms of, like, you have to... You really do have to read everything. You have to see everything for any of this to make any fucking sense. Okay. And yet, at the same time, those first two games were so magical... Mm-hmm. where you're like, yeah, I'm buying into the emotions, even if I'm not 100% sure what is happening. Right. Like, when, at the end of the first game, when you have to close Kingdom Hearts, and, like, your friend and Mickey are on one side, and you're on the other, and you have to lock the door, you're like, oh, man, like, what what's going to happen? How are we going to get them back? We have to go get them. Right. And then, like, in the sequel, when you finally reunite with Riku, and you're, like, doing power moves, like, combo moves together, you're like, this is the best, this is the best <laughs> game ever made. Like this is ten out of ten. And for me it was also like a big crash course in Disney history, because like, yeah, I knew Nightmare Before Christmas. I knew Little Mermaid and Hercules. But like I learned about Tron through that. I learned about like, you know, you know, you get to, you learn about different like properties. Right. It, and it gets yeah. you back interested in Disney. Um Yes. And I guess like, again, for me it's like it's so fascinating because it's this era where it's like, yeah, Disney would let something this kind of like weird and off-kilter and, like, messy but sincere and the most, like, oh, the person, you know, the, like, the lead director, um, uh, Nomura, like, you can tell, this man's putting all, every little emotional idea he has into this, and you just buy into the magic. Um, Whereas when we get to the third one, it's so interesting how, like, clean it is, and even he, Nomura said this, like, it was a lot harder to get them to approve different worlds by the time we get to the third one. And it's like, yeah, that's the difference between Disney in 2000 and Disney in 2015. Now that the brand is, like, reestablished, they're very, like, everything's a little more precious. They're not, like, okay. you can't have Mickey running around in, like, a weird black robe, hooded robe doing, like, ninja moves. Okay. And, yes, that's a thing that happens in this franchise. Right. Um, it's actually, it's really funny. Because in the first game, when you briefly see him, he just looks like Mickey. You know, shirtless, red pants. But then the rest of the series, he has a shirt, which raises this weird question of like, wait, why did you start putting on a shirt
1: Um, or like a jacket? So
0: then they have to go back and there's a flashback where he gets his shirt ripped off just to preserve canon for what happens later. So it's like to explain why he just had the basic design. I don't know. This franchise is so goofy. It's it's the perfect, it's like the most anime thing to ever anime. And yet you get kids to play it because it's also Disney.
1: Right. And, yeah,
0: it's it's interesting to see the third one where, like, it's so... Every level is so carefully following the plots of the movies, and you're like, oh, yeah, like, they have to keep everything in glass cases. And you realize we really did pass an era where, like, Disney would just, like, throw a curveball like this and make something kind of cool. Yeah. If any of that makes sense.
1: It did, yes.
0: Whew. um, Yeah, it's... I, I can't help but love the franchise, you know? Yeah,
1: it sounds like Even if do. it's
0: weird, even if it's dumb, even if it's dense as a sack of rocks poured over, with cement poured over it. Right. Um, And yeah, you know what? I'm just gonna say it. When F- Super Smash Bros. announced its final character and suddenly you see the Keyblade and you're like, it's gonna be Sora. That little tra- reveal trailer, like, I got emotion. Like, that was like, and I was like, damn it, that is nostalgia. Right. That is like... I am seeing this character I grew up with on, like, a cool stage, and I'm loving every minute of it. Yeah. And, yeah, that kind of leads us into the era that I think you can be a little more first in as we get to, like, sort of this Disney Dream Valley era.
1: Yeah, definitely. Let's let's talk about Disney Dreamlight Valley. First of all, yeah, this is another direct answer to, to another video game, which... To be fair, like after March twenty twenty, when Animal Crossing New Horizons comes out and blows everything out of the water, and everyone is obsessed with it, there were many different developers mm. that put out essentially the same exact game. Um, yeah, with stuff like this variations. existed before Animal
0: Crossing before too, and it's just Animal Crossing was right. the best.
1: Yes, yeah, Animal Crossing may be the most iconic um, of the life's kind of life simulation slash farming simulation um for those of you like not well versed in, in video game talk it just means like a simulation game which which by the way you know the game the, the sims that is what sims is short for is a simulator which means that you're kind of just playing pretend that you're almost like a dollhouse that's what what The Sims can be compared to is like a dollhouse game where you are just sort of like moving your person around and living their life, and doing different activities with them, going to a job, mm. <laughs> dressing them in clothes, doing stuff, interacting with other characters, things like that. Um. So this massive one comes out in in twenty twenty, which is Animal Crossing, and well, the newest version of Animal Crossing, and shortly thereafter, Disney. Kind of responds with their version of it, which, like perhaps this had been in development. I'm sure it has. It takes a long time to make these things. Um, you know, both both prior to 2020, but um, Disney released released last year in 2022 um, this game called Disney Dreamlight Valley. So the premise here is that the Dreamlight Valley which kind of resembles magic kingdom in disney world it's got this massive mm. cinderella's castle that is like the centerpiece of this whole large map um this this dreamlight valley has essentially been dormant for an undisclosed amount of time it has been overgrown with these like poisonous weeds It's been abandoned by all of its magical characters. And it is up to you, the player, to clean it up and restore the valley to its original glory, as well as inviting all of the old characters to come back and live in the valley again. Um, So it's pretty much just like, a game that is entirely made up of like quest, which I kind of explained this to you a while ago of like this game is so easy to play for hours. I have issues with it, but I find myself having a difficult time putting it down. Once you start playing it, it is easy to just keep going and keep going and keep going. Because it is it is different from Animal Crossing in that it is Animal Crossing has quests, but like you don't have to do anything in a game like Animal Crossing. That's sort of the appeal of it, of of Animal Crossing, is that it is completely open-ended. If you don't want to complete any quest, like, you're good. Do whatever you want. Talk to your villagers. Just mess around with
0: furniture for, like, Just
1: mess around with furniture, mess around with clothing, items. Like, plant flowers, do nothing, and talk to your neighbors, and that's it. Or you can, like, com- complete quests and, like, <clears throat> progress in the game. But with Disney Dreamlight Valley, like it feeds you into one quest into another into another into another and some quests you need to complete other quests to get back to this quest and then and they're kind of quick and easy to get through for the most part then you find yourself just being like well i can just do one more thing i can just do one more thing mm-hmm. um you know the it's you know it, it's got it's got magic like I, i'm not going to lie to you like there are some really I actually really hope that you like play it one day because it is a very cool immersive Disney, you know, as much as I want to be comparing it, as much as I am comparing it to other video games, it does not skimp on the unique Disney magic. I mean like the 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 through storyline of this of this game is that like oh, there was like Before, in the old days of the Dreamlight Valley, when it was at its peak, there was some ominous character called the ruler who, like, you know, who was everyone's, like, favorite. It's just alluded to, because I'm an intelligent adult, I must assume at this point that, like, some version of myself was the ruler who then, like, grew up and became a jaded millennial with disposable income and now i've returned to the dreamlight but everyone's right, lost their memory right you've seen
0: a you've seen a story before
1: i've seen a story before so it's like just alluding to the fact that like oh like you once were here but you became but you what you grew up and like forgot about the magic and this is about rediscovering the magic now that you have disposable income and free time
0: which is basically what we talk about all the time on this podcast, but when the company <laughs> itself is saying it, it's like, get the fuck out of here.
1: Exactly. I'm like, okay, Merlin. You don't tell us how
0: we handle this. Fine.
1: Yeah. So, but, you know, like you were saying with, like, Kingdom Hearts, yeah, they do some really amazing things with these, like, recognizable scores, like, musical scores that they sort of, like, rework. Um, it's, like... I, it's a weird thing to focus on, but, like, this game has really excellent sound design in that, mm. like, you're minding your business, moving through, and you can just hear, like, uh, Goofy from, like, he's not even in in frame, but, like, if he's in the vicinity, you just hear him humming the Steamboat Willie, like, uh, theme as he's, like, moseying about the town. And, like, they, they just really padded this out with so many really cute details. Like, I I recently unlocked Mirabelle. And, yeah, like, anytime you walk by her, she just, like, has music playing out of her body. <laughs> like, as, as she just moves about town. Like, um, there's, like, I just, I don't want to, like, give away too many. This is, this is, like, a spoiler type thing. And I feel like the game is too new. Like, I don't want to... If I say Mm. any more, it'll just be, I'll be giving away spoilers. Um, But yeah, I think this, like, I think it's a good game. It's already got like a pretty good following of people on Twitch Mm. and on YouTube that play it very diligently and are obsessed with it. And, you know, it's not like, it's not my favorite game I've ever played, but I (laughs) spent $80 on it. And, um, which it doesn't cost that much, but it has... Okay, yeah, that's another thing we need to talk about. Yeah, like
0: that's what I wanted to... My two questions were, one, who are some of your other neighbors? And two... Okay. What is this premium currency that's in it?
1: Okay, so, my neighbors... Well, no,
0: you pay for the base game, so it's a premium. Just not freemium, it's premium.
1: Right, so, like, okay, here's the here's first question. So, you start with Merlin, and then mm. you... I've unlocked Mickey Mouse. Oh no! Well, you have to like they have to introduce some kind of like store like per like you know in game currency like
0: right shop. You have to have one quest where they're like, here's the amount you need to buy the specific thing.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Scrooge is like the second person that you meet, and then so I've Scrooge. got I know Scrooge, Goofy, Mickey, um, Wally is like the first. When I say like the whole game is about inviting characters. In by completing their quest, Wally is the first one that you go get, which is so cute. Um, but I have Wally and I have Mirabelle, and she came with her own casacita. And when you walk by it, it like wakes up, and it like all the shutters and doors like freak out, mm. and it makes all those charming little wooden sounds when you walk past the house. And it's very, very cool. So that's, that's who I have so far. Um, so, yeah, this game has, like, different things. Okay, so, first of all, the game costs, like, around $20, $23, I want to say, um, is, is the base game. Like, they've introduced so many friggin' things. And then there's, like, I, I opted to pay almost $80 for the ultimate package, because they, they were, like... Oh, we'll throw in all this cool furniture and like a fancy magical critter. And I was like, I want a, I want a critter. You with
0: the fancy critter.
1: I wanted a, I wanted a, a critter. fancy critter to follow me around, plus some cool gowns. It is fun to like run around a magical Disney World in like a ball gown. <laughs> like, there's something magical about that. I'm not denying,
0: um, I, I see the appeal of all of this. Right? I'm not going like, to be a jaded asshole about it.
1: Yeah. It's like, to just go about your business doing your gardening and have Mickey Mouse just, like, bebop over to you and say hi. I'm like, I'm, I'm enjoying that. Like, that's fun to have Mickey Mouse just, like, right. as a neighbor. Solace. Right, exactly. Um, but there's all this talk about the game becoming freemium or free to play and just Mm. having it be all because when I was doing my research before this and I was like oh is the ultimate version worth it is it so many people online were like don't pay for it at all and wait for it to become free to play like they're kind of alluding to like they want it to be a free to play game that's just all like in-game purchases which like Mm. boo to that I don't like that, yeah, that. I no.
0: I will be an asshole about that cause, and that's something we'll talk about in a minute, but like Yeah. We said Disney follows trends and they're following a particularly annoying trend right now.
1: Yeah. Right. We're like, oh, maybe it's like Fortnite where anyone can play, but then if you want stuff, if you, you want can just nice stuff. You can spend as much like real life money as you have on it on the stuff i
0: say as i'm running around as miles morales but i digress
1: right exactly (laughs) um so anyway you know i'm playing on the nintendo switch apparently you can play this on a pc which i which from what i gather is a better experience because the lag is like the the frame rate is ass i don't know what to tell you like it's so chunky and clunky and, and difficult to use sometimes. I'm not even going to lie to you. Like, there are so many things that are trying to download. And then they have the nerve to, like, include this disclaimer every time you put up the game of, like, you better back up your save data because we're not making you any promises. You could lose everything and we don't know what to tell you. Like, so they're already warning you that, like, this game could completely shut down on you and you'll lose your all your progress. So, like, you've been warned. And I'm like, dad, like, alright. <laughs> I guess I I guess. Um, but yeah, it's got hella lag and it's it's clunky and chunky sometimes, but the magic is there, you know, whatever.
0: Yeah, it's the premium thing is like That is the, like, we talked about trends. We talked about, like, the patterns that Disney follows. Like, you know, they're reacting to whatever the market trend is. And right now, they are going all in on, all in on, um, freemium games. Mm Because this is, like, the core. And, like, people like this game. Polygon had it in its top 50 games of the year. And they literally were like, hear us out. Right. Hear us out. Um... Disney Speedstorm, which is another attempt at like a Mario kart S racer. Um, oh God! Is coming out. There's like a Founders Pack if you want to pay for like extra stuff. Um, mm-hmm. There's been whisperings on like whisperings on the wind for forever that they're going to do some kind of Smash Brothers clone. There's um, Mirrorverse, which is some kind of turn-based RPG on your phone where everyone has. It's weirdly Kingdom Hearts adjacent in terms of like edgy versions of all these characters um but like visually edgy too um wow and of course disney emoji blitz which is um the apex like it's the apex because all this shit comes from iphone games so of course there's the iphone game
1: i figured we would slide into like the mobile game realm Shortly after this.
0: Well, I would argue it's like, this is, it's connected. Because, like, all of these are, like, the branches of the tree that starts when someone goes, like, hey, what if we give people these games on their phone for free Mm -hmm. and created a current, like, it all started from here. Right. Um, Disney Emoji Blitz, for people who aren't familiar, it's like a classic color matching game. But instead of, like, candy or orbs or jewels or whatever... It is little emojis of various Disney characters.
1: Which and we need. We have a history with this game. Like there yeah, was a we, period of time we where we were dedicated to it. Like because it was yeah. fun. It was a collectible game.
0: Yeah, I like collecting things, and I like having yeah. little emojis. Um, one time, I was on set as an art director, and I kept like putting my, pulling my phone out because I'm like, "Well, it's the Milan event, and if I don't get enough right. uh, fireworks, I'm not going to get Mushu or Milan." Exactly. Um, and yeah, it, like it's, it's, I don't know. It, it like, it's annoying because again, it's like you see the strings of these things, but they are addicting. It's like, yeah, that's why they do it because they know it's addicting and you can get people to pay for it. Right. Um, my big umbrage is just, um, well, one, the game has gotten way too complicated now. There's so many new currencies. Oh my There's God. so many. Like, I give up on it. Yeah. It, it almost feels like. we're kind of reaching a nexus point with all this microtransaction stuff, it feels like people are really tired of it. They're really tired of season passes. They're really tired of, like, in-app purchases. Like, um, Rocksteady, the guys who made the Batman Arkham games, recently announced their Suicide Squad game. And they're like, yeah, it'll have a battle pass. It'll have cosmetics. And everyone just was like, fuck this shit. We waited how long for this? And they just quietly announced the game is delayed indefinitely. And it's like they're not going to try to break the bones of that thing and fix it, are they?
1: Right. Um,
0: but it feels like Disney emoji blitz is just trying to shoot the moon and go all in on it. And yeah.
1: But why? Like once you have more than one type of currency in a game, I'm dead.
0: Yeah. It, like I don't, it's just not fun. And that's me with like NBA games too, because NBA games have gone on all, mm. all in on this collectible card element where you get cards to build like teams to play against other people. And I'm like, oh, you clearly put all of your eggs in this mode and just left everything else to die on the vine. Like, this isn't fun anymore. Um, But yeah, it's just disappointing because, like, coming from the Kingdom Hearts era, it felt like, you know, there was a lot more, like, flexibility for how, one, how Disney brands were presented and what kind of games there were. Um, Like, because King... Like, I also forgot to mention, like... Two of my favorite games on the N64 were, like, the Bugs Life and Toy Story 2 games that were just these, like, weird little, like, action-y platformers where you collect abilities and you slowly build up your strength and you go through, like, the games. And I'm like, this has so much personality and charm. Like, it feels accurate to the movie while being its own thing. Or even, like, a game that I wasn't particularly... I didn't play a lot. 2010's Epic Mickey, which was, like... Oh. Oh. Mickey gets sucked into a world of, like, all of the abandoned Disney ideas like, the main sort of rival is Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, because Disney had just gotten Uh the rights back. And the idea is, like, oh, this is, like, the island of misfit toys, and, like, Mickey's gotta explore it. And, like, it's, like, yeah, I don't know if they would do that now. Like, I don't know if Disney, or, like, even just, like, a different example of it, like, chasing the trend of, like, the toys-to-games thing, like, Skylanders and that Lego Unlimited, or even Amiibos, they made Disney Infinity, and it was, like, kind of a fun little, like, oh, you're making, like, dozens of games inside this one game. Right. And, like, and I'm, like, I don't know. I get Like, that's what disappoints me. There was a lot more, like, diversity and robustness in terms of, like, what kinds of games were being made. Um, whereas now it's, like, well, all of it starts with the freemium idea and then builds off of that. Yeah. Which hmm. is a shame because, again, the games themselves are, like, charming enough and likable. yeah It's just...
1: I, don't know. And I get it's discouraged. Just I recently tried to go back to Disney Emoji Blitz and gave up, like, be- because I just got so frustrated with every different thing to unlock, and then their constant like the notifications are so obnoxious, because everything's on a timer, and then it's like, and then everything is mm-hmm. behind a paywall. Like, everything is behind a paywall. It seems like what is the point of, of playing?
0: Right, and it is disappointing because again, like, I would argue. Because video games are, like, our generation's art form, for lack of a better word. Cause it's yeah, like, I get
1: what
0: you mean. There are, there's almost, like, there's, like, half a cent. there's over half a century of film and television that existed before we were alive. Like, yeah. video games, in earnest, really started in, like, the 80s. There's, like, 10 years. There's a very real, like, like, it's not insane to say we could preserve all of video game history if we just had, like, the resources and motivation. Yeah. So yeah. It is kind of disappointing to see, like, so much weird, like, weird creativity and diversity be kind of diluted by this freemium element. But at the same time, it's, like, so fascinating to see, like, you know, it was my thesis going into this episode. It's, like, so funny to see how Disney just responds to these trends. Right. And, like, the trends that are coming up, like, how, you know, gaming is constantly changing. Like, what games are like the leading forces of the industry are constantly changing. And I'm really curious to see, like, okay, as this freemium fad slowly fades away, what is the next thing for them? What is the next angle? And that's wholly independent of technically all Star Wars and Marvel games are now Disney games.
1: Right. Yeah. Which
0: just felt like a which just felt like a strand of this where I'm like, that's too much. We have to we have to streamline this somehow.
1: Yeah, okay. So that kind of brings us up to speed, but if we could, like, touch more creatively, like, you know, from our imagination, you know what? (laughs) I was going to ask, like, oh, where do we think Disney video games are headed next? But it's, like, it's wherever the trends go. (laughs) Like, that's, that kind of just, you know, if if we imagined, like, you know, it's, it's not so much a question of, like, where do we think they'll go, but, like, let's just do the fun thing and, and say, like, what would be a fun if we could just imagine any sort of like Disney type of video game? If we could, we could if our imaginations could design one. Hmm. What would that be?
0: I mean, for me, it's like I would love to go back to the era of like movie tying games, but like not just make them all sort of samey platformers. Yeah, because there's a lot of Disney movies that have potentially fun ideas, like for example, like. Before it got canned, Disney Infinity was going to have a Moana, um, world that was going to be all, like, exploring on a boat. And I'm, like, a Wind Waker-esque adventure where, like, you can go to all these different islands and there'll be, like, little puzzles and stuff on them. Mm -hmm. Like, that would be a fun time. And you put, like, a Moana skin on it. It's like, oh, a gameplay loop I like, but in a world I also like, that's a double, you know, that's doubly great. Um, something as simple as that, um... I'm trying to think of other, like, movies they've done recently that I think... Like, Strange World is built... Like, a video... Like, they literally have an in-universe board game Mm. to, like, highlight the theme. So I'm like, yeah, Adventuring in a Strange World. I don't know if you've ever seen this game, but Peter Jackson's King Kong got a really great video game that was a lot about, like, surviving in the wild. So the idea was, like, you could use insects to lure dinosaurs away or, like, animals away. And you would use that as an opportunity to sneak around and gather resources Something like that in, like, a strange world setting would be really, really fun. Like, I think the biggest thing for me is, like, think less about trends and think more about genre. There's so many different genres these games can exist in beyond just, like, oh, platformer or freemium. Mm -hmm. That I'm like, I think that would be interesting to figure out how to make it work in that context.
1: Well, it's so fascinating you mentioned that because the the game from um, the, the board game in Strange World, I wish was just a board game. Like, I really want that to be a it, thing. It's a
0: testament to how little of a shit Disney gave about that movie. Right? That that wasn't a day one on the merchandise right? like, planning meeting.
1: It seems so easy. Like,
0: all you need to know about how serious they were about marketing that film is embodied by the fact that that's like, if you're in a marketing meeting... That's, like, the first thing someone brings up. Yeah, That's, like, the first five things aside from, like, Goopy Boy.
1: And, like, yeah, I mean, not to go on a tangent, but because that's what our whole episode on that was about. Like, what are you trying to hide, Disney? Like, this is a good movie. Why? Yeah, people like this. (laughs) Right. Like, why is there not a plushie of the Goopy Boy and the dog? Right. Like, come on. Like,
0: exactly. Or even, like, another one... And honestly, I would argue, like, these sort of forgotten movies are, like, the perfect ones to do video games in. Yeah. Because Treasure Planet is the king of that. They had a Treasure Planet game, and it was weirdly a real-time strategy game where it's, like, the main character's in, like, captain school now. And you have to, like, captain all of these ships to, like, defend from pirates. Like, people, like... You would get a good audience if you budgeted it well. Like, if you did, instead of, like, an expensive triple-A game, like, a double-A game where it's like, oh, there's money, but we didn't blow the budget on this, Mm -hmm. like, you would find a good audience because people like Treasure Planet and would like more Treasure Planet stuff, but, like, Mm -hmm. while at the same time not spending nearly as much as you would if you were to remake the movie or make another animated movie.
1: Yeah, I feel like if I could design, like, something I would love to see, um... I would love to see more princess crossover content because, you know, anytime that all of the princesses are bought together within Disney, like merchandising, I feel like mm-hmm. it's always introduced to a really young audience or like mm-hmm. within like the pre-K through elementary age bracket. And I actually would love to see a more like mature rendering of, of princess content Um, all of them, you know, Wreck-It Ralph 2 style Mm. in some sort of, like, video game. Yeah,
0: it's interesting you say that because you want to know the best example of that? When we were hanging out at Barnes & Noble yesterday, the one Lego set they had Mm. that had all the princesses was their, like, kitty Legos where they have, like, more rounded features and there's less building elements. It's like, oh, we kind of did most of the building for you so you can just play with the toys. Right. Yeah, it is. uh, That's another one that's so weird. It's like, wreck it Ralph, so much of the marketing was around that princess scene, and yet they haven't done anything with that. Right. Like, I guess Mirrorverse kind of tackles that because it's an RPG, but that's not just the princesses. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like hard to believe they haven't done some kind of adventure game with the princesses, especially because, again, like, they all have their own little, like, special abilities. Right. And you can make your own little party where it's like, oh, I'm going to have Jasmine, Tiana, um, Merida on my team. Right. Like, and they all do different things. It seems like such a layup. But again, it's like, I guess, like, and I'm trying not to be mean about because again, I like most Disney games. Yeah, but same. But I do think it's a byproduct of, like, more often than not, they're thinking about, like, how do we capitalize on a trend, not what's a cool thing we can do with these toys we have.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: <laughs> like, yeah, it's not, I'm trying to think of how to word it. Like, you know, like, Tears of the Kingdom comes out of looking around at different video games, like, different styles of video games and different things you can do with video games and being like, okay, well, this is what Zelda's been for this long. How mm-hmm. can we take these advancements and put, combine them with, you know, Zelda? Whereas, like, where it's less about genre and more, like, mechanics or mm-hmm. ideas or play systems... Whereas with Disney, it's more just like, well, what genre is the most popular? Let's do that genre. Which characters fit that genre? And it's kind of a bummer because it's like, again, like the fun of a video game is it's, it's kind of like we were talking about this with the live action movies of like, you know, giving people more of that world in, like, a different tangible form. Mm-hmm. And I don't video games are even better than that because it's like, yeah, I want to run around these worlds. That's right, why exactly. I love Kingdom Hearts. Like, that's the part, funnest part of Kingdom Hearts. Like, I don't care about the anime stuff. I care about <laughs> right. some of the characters, but the broader anime stuff about, like, hearts and darkness and the the, 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 the Keyblade War, I'm like, I, I just like hanging out with these guys in, yeah, yeah. in in Pirates of the Caribbean world.
1: Exactly. I
0: like that they acknowledge it's weird that everything's photorealistic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, or like but Willy World, where everyone's black and white noodly. Yeah. And I just wish, I don't know, like, and again, they closed Disney Interactive, which was like, oh. like one of the big creators, like they, they were the guys who were pushing Disney Infinity. And it's a bummer because it does feel like they kind of like, that's kind of like a symbol of like, I don't, like, how much are we going to push the video game thing aside from like, you know, these handful of freemium examples. I see. I do wonder, like, because Epic Mickey was, like, an attempt to do, like, hey, let's do a, you know, let's try to do something fresh with video games Mm -hmm. and, like, let's lean into a creation. And while I'd argue it was actually hugely influential in how Mickey is depicted, like, kind of bringing him back to more of, like, the mischievous scamp kind of energy that Mm -hmm. we see in the more modern cartoons, the fact that that game didn't really sell well and was really, really, really expensive, I think kind of, like, closed a lot of doors that Mm might have otherwise been open in terms of like what is capable of a disney video game
1: i see right
0: um do you have any other thoughts you wanted to get in before okay actually here's one more question for us before we wrap up oh boy single franchise single world that you would want to be in as a like play in just like if you could literally just take a disney movie press a controller button and then move around in it and like explore off frame what would it be
1: Oh, this is such a classic Sydney answer, but it has to be Princess and the Frog, because again, I just Princess and the Frog, um, because I can't stop talking about how magical they made the this like Louisiana bayou. Mm-hmm. There, there are a bunch of different worlds within it of like, oh, like you could explore. The LaBeouf Mansion, or just, like, there could be, like, a whole, you know, festival, like, Mardi Gras parade element to it. Or just, like, wandering around in this, like, enchanted forest, like, where Mama Odie is. Or, like, the restaurant. Like, you want to talk about fulfilling orders. Like, yeah, let's do a game there. Yeah, that would be it for me. What about you?
0: I mean, you know what an example I really, really like? Toy Story. That ended Mm -hmm. up being my favorite world in Kingdom Hearts 3. I just think there's something very fun about how video games depict Toy Story in terms of, like, okay, how do we parse out how you move around this space? Like, Mm. you know, they play around with size and, like, environment in a way that's really fun. Mm -hmm. So if I could just have, like, even more Toy Story adventures, that would be really, really fun for me.
1: That's a good one because you've got like, I would, I would hope they would tie in every film and have, like, an Owl's Toy Barn. Like, I would love to, like, play around there.
0: Oh, yeah. Stuff well, like that. Well, that was kind of one of the ideas. They had a similar idea in Toy Story 3, and that's kind of where the idea for Disney Infinity came from. Because they mm. had, like, the basic story mode, and then they had, like, a toy box mode where you kind of collect different, like, friends and neighbors. Weirdly Dreamlight valley asked too. And then mm-hmm. you can just kind of make your own world based on that. And then that became part of what Disney Infinity was spawned out of.
1: Huh. Interesting.
0: And until the internet clocks in on that meme again of Goofy literally dying in Kingdom Hearts 2. Which is a thing that happens because he gets hit by a rock, prompting Mickey in a black hood that has ear holes for his ears to angrily go, They'll pay for this. And then charging off to battle. I'm Carter.
1: And I'm Sydney.
0: Do, do you need me to explain more? We, get, we, get, oh, we don't no, have to No, Please,
1: wrap. please stop right where you are. That is quite enough.
0: And have a magical day, everyone.
1: <sighs> Thanks for listening. <sighs> Dear God.
0: It really happened. The Disney Desk is brought to you by Carter and Sydney.
1: Follow us on Twitter, at Disney Desk, for the latest updates about the show.
0: Want more of the most magical podcast on Earth? The Disney Desk is now on Patreon.
1: For exclusive weekly bonus content from us, go to patreon.com slash Disney Desk and become a patron for as little as $3 a month. Thank you. It is time for another Internet Minute.
0: It's internet minute. it It is another internet minute. Everybody sit on your computer and listen to our show. Or maybe use your iPhone and walk around. But not specifically for this week because the air is actively unsafe. Maybe wear a mask if you go outside, but even then, you probably shouldn't be out for more than like an hour. Okay.
1: Please keep that in. I I feel
0: like I was slow to start. I might put that at the end of the episode.
1: Please keep that in, yeah.
0: As an after-credits scene? It was
1: too good, Yeah, (laughs) yeah.